Hey everybody, welcome to episode 13 of the Slow Drag Has a Podcast 2. You know, if you've ever wanted to hit the reset button on your life in order to pursue your creative endeavors, then you should definitely take this episode in. Danica Holmes, my guest today, did just that and has built a very successful touring career with her husband, Jeff. Listen to all the great things she has to say. Feel inspired and then check out her and her husband if they're in a town near you on the road. As always, this podcast, my Thursday night broadcasts, all the music that I release as the slow drag is brought to you by Patreon patrons. Thank you so much, patrons, for your generous donations. I want to give a shout out to Laura S. and Gene B. Thank you so much for coming on back to Patreon. Really do appreciate it, guys. You can become a patron of the slow drag today by heading over to theslowdrag.com and hitting that become a patron button. It's one of the best things you can ever do. All right, here we go, guys. Episode 13. When did you when did you start touring? Start leaving home to go play shows regularly? Yeah, so in Okay, in 2008, I had a full career as a teacher. I taught high school. Hmm. Like the most stressful, crazy four years of my life were right then. Like people think being a musician's hard and I'm like, "Oh, you know it's hard being a teacher." So then um, some things happen, you know, but it was like, I quit my job, I bought a guitar, I really got serious about songwriting, and I would say 2010, and so it was kind of like a two-year transition. Mm -hmm. By transition, I mean I was technically unemployed for a couple of years, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, but 2010 is like when I really kind of just got serious. And then moved to Nashville in 2012. And after the Nashville move is when touring really ramped up. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So there were like different stages of the process. But 2012 was kind of like the real like when touring started. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that, that two-year transitional period? Because I think that that's <laughs> yeah. a really important time in yeah. people's life. I'll, I'll preface this by saying... Yeah. You know, it's come up a few times on this podcast that for any creative or entrepreneurial individual, there comes a tipping point where it makes sense to decide to go all in. And that's that's a terrifying time in people's lives, especially if you're, you know, coming from a background that isn't uh, based in arts or, or mm -hmm. entertainment or something entrepreneurial. You know, if you're doing something like teaching or you have a regular job with a regular paycheck, right. that kind of security that in comes healthcare, with it. In healthcare. Totally. Benefits, mm -hmm. retirement accounts. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so to give that up temporarily to go chase something else and, mm -hmm. and have that be the source of income for all of these things that you've just described, your freedom, your liberties, your <sighs> ability to spend money and, yes. and be a part of society and all mm -hmm. that, that to, to not know that that's going to come in is really, really frightening. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what were, what were you going through when you decided like, okay, it's time to quit teaching these kids and really focus on this stuff? Yeah. Okay. So a couple things. Um, one, Um, I had hit rock bottom in my life, personally. Mm -hmm. A divorce. Um, my dad died. 
like my life was sucking so bad and mm-hmm. I hit that point where I was like, it right in my career suck. Like I wasn't happy doing what I was doing. And I really did have to hit as rock bottom as I possibly could have hit um, in order to be like, so I do this music thing. Like what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm. It doesn't work out. And then I'm back to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. You know, but in the meantime, like playing and writing music like provides me with happiness and it's fulfilling. Mm. Um, and it's something that I had a dream to do since I was a kid mm. when I was young man I was writing songs and and writing and recording and then like somewhere along the line like I just like I lost all my confidence and I just you know like I just went to college and I got a degree in like a thing that I knew I could get a job in Mm -hmm. and and that was it so this transitional period right so I quit my job and I bought a guitar. Piano was my first instrument, and guitar was the thing that I always wished that I knew how to play. Um, and I did that, and I was living in my brother's house. You know, so my brother and sister in law took me in when I didn't have a job. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I just like, I just kind of was like living on savings for a while. Mm-hmm. And just writing songs. And and I was waiting for my family, like, to kind of get on board and support me. Because mm-hmm. I come from such, like, Midwestern, mm-hmm. serious, like, you get nine-to-five jobs and you're professionals. You know, like, you're a teacher, doctor, lawyer, nurse. Like, that's the sort of house that I was raised in. And, like, that's my extended family. Like, there are no musicians, mm-hmm. no entrepreneurs, so this thing that I was doing, like, they were all just waiting for me to come back to my senses, I mm. think, and, like, get a job and, like, get out of my phase. And I think uh, it wasn't until, like, years, years later that my family kind of all came around and realized, like, oh, this isn't just, like, a phase. Like, this is, like, a thing for Danica. Mm. Like, this is her career, and mm-hmm. she's going to do it now. So, hmm. Yeah. Did that generally come around the same time for everybody or were there early adopters and people holding out (laughs) (laughs) on the job thing? For sure. No, it was like a slow trickle of family support. I think my mom was on board from the beginning Mm -hmm. just because she's awesome. She's got that, wants her, you know, kids to be happy. And if this is what you want to do, then then do it. So I was really lucky in that the family member that mattered most to me in terms of their opinion was on board from the beginning. So that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the rest were just kind of like a slow trickle. And then I have, so I have this massively huge family, huge family. Mm. Um, And it's been fun, you know, because like some of my extended relatives, like people that I hardly even know, you know, like I might even not be able to pick them out of a crowd because they're like that, distant of a relative like they pop up at shows you know and it's Hmm, cool cool. yeah Mm -hmm. it's cool Hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's nice that they they come around in that fashion yeah Yeah. they come around eventually I remember one one day my brother called me and he heard um our version of while my guitar gently weeps on Mm -hmm. Sirius XM's Mm -hmm. coffee house station Mm -hmm. 
And he called me to tell me that he heard it. And I believe that was the day that he was like, she's going to be okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting those those markers of legitimacy uh, that make themselves known to the general public, the non-musicians. Yeah. You know, you and I both know that it is a good and exciting thing to get a song on a radio station. Yes. But it's kind of like a drop in this bucket that you're trying to fill. Exactly. But to somebody else, seeing that that blog post or hearing that song on the radio or catching that spot on whatever TV show or online show or whatever it is, you know, that has uh, more public recognition than your name might. Exactly. It's crazy how that brings some legitimacy to it. It's like all of a sudden you're a real musician. For sure. (laughs) Because you got a song on Coffee House. Oh, I know. As opposed to the like years that you've been putting in and practicing and playing. It's funny. And what's that saying? Like, have you ever heard like, oh, what what do they say in Nashville? It's like every every songwriter is just one song away from being a hit songwriter. Mm, Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And haven't you even been here? Like, have you seen that happen to people? Like when you met them and then suddenly they got like a radio hit and then they're like a hit songwriter now Mm -hmm. and people are calling them to speak on panels and Mm -hmm. be the expert in songwriting as if everything they did before that one song that's maybe okay and definitely not the best one in their catalog Mm. became a thing. This is, this conversation is starting to trigger me a little bit because that's like the the whole reason that I'm doing what I'm doing the way that I'm doing it is because I want to avoid gatekeepers as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of those songwriters that one day become hit songwriters were writing great songs before somebody sitting behind a desk at a publishing house or a label decided that their song was right and good at the time and then got millions of dollars thrown behind it to make it a hit. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I would argue that there are not every song, but a lot of songs that you could do that with if, you know, Mm -hmm. one person decides they want to champion that song and put it out there then it becomes a quote-unquote hit song most of the time not always yep but you know it's it's another behind the scenes thing and it just i don't know it just makes me mad oh i know (laughs) like who are you i know like any of these songs are good especially if you're not writing them you're not performing them you're just looking for how you can increase your bottom line yes Mm. i know i austin i am so right there with you and the whole getting rid of gatekeepers thing oh like mm-hmm. that's that's a thing that makes me just go uh, you know because <laughs> everyone wants to know well what's what's the secret to success as an artist in the music industry you know mm-hmm. and like everyone's looking for this like big deep answer and it's so simple mm-hmm. and i feel like are you ready like if we had a drum roll this is where the drum roll would kick in I really like truly believe like the only secret to success for an artist doing what we're doing. I'm not talking blanket over the whole industry, but you know, we write, we record, we're artists. All you need to be successful is fans. Hmm. Boom. Mm-hmm. Like I really believe that that's all you need to be successful. And um, obviously the more, the better, but I'm talking about, true fans Mm -hmm. you know people who will (laughs) sounds crazy to say this like but people who like still you know want to buy your cd at the merch table just to have you sign it Mm -hmm. even though they're going to listen to your um to your music on spotify sure on the way home Mm -hmm. like they still like so that's the sort of fan 
that I'm talking about. Like, that's all you need. And you don't need those gatekeepers. Truly. For... Yeah, you're speaking my language. For that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Like, we're, yeah, you're my people. <laughs> and that's, you know, if, if anybody looks at my social media numbers, uh-huh. you know, I did, I, I had a moment of weakness on Facebook and I like ran an ad <laughs> that I knew would get a bunch of likes just for the sake of getting yeah. them. And, you know, none of them are interacting with what I'm doing. But you look at my <laughs> other social media pages and it's like, you would not think that I have a career based on my number of followers on oh Instagram my. or my email list or Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But because I have a community of those people that you've just described, those those rabid supporters who really believe in what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, like I, I have a career because of it. And it, it can only grow as long as I don't give up and I keep trying to find an audience for the music. I totally agree. Hmm. I totally agree. And it only, it only grows from there, you know? So I talk about sustainability mm-hmm. in the music industry. Mm-hmm. It's so key yeah. in my opinion, um, to not get burnt out one, cause burnout is a thing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's so real. Um, you know, but also, you know, when you think about yourself, like what's, what it, what's it going to look like in 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to that point now. This cracks me up. We did, uh, Jeb and I got interviewed for this local TV show in our hometown back in the Quad Cities. And it's probably been like five to seven years ago. And they were saying, oh, where do you, the question, you know, where do you see yourself in five years, in 10 years? And I had forgotten that I did this until somebody at a show was like, so I really went down the YouTube tunnel and found this old interview. And they said, what are you going to be doing five years from now? He's like, and it's funny because it is five years from now Mm. and you're doing exactly what you said you're going to be doing. And I was like, Mm. what, what was my answer? And I said, I think I'm going to, it's going to look a lot like what I'm doing right now. Mm. Like, I think it's going to look the same only, Mm there's going to be more people involved. I hope there's more people at the shows. I hope there's Hmm. more people in our community that we brought in. Mm -hmm. But honestly, like I don't see a lot changing. And I wonder if that answer would be like severely disappointing to some of our fans. If I say, if I don't go in five years from now, I want to be on this huge tour playing to thousands of people because I'm not going to lie, that sounds pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And if that were to happen, mm. it'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. But I don't need it. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. Sure. If five years from now it looks like what it looks like now, but with more people, that's okay. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I like my life. Mm-hmm. It's kind of awesome sometimes. <laughs> and you know, I, I say this to, to people often. Usually I'm preaching to the choir when I say it, but like... If you are not trying to make a living off of your art or what you create or make and put out into the world, you probably don't understand how difficult it can be to reach even a teacher's salary, you know, mm-hmm. to make that that pay match, to yeah. make the national American average. Right. And if you can if you can manage to do that, holding on to it is an incredible accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't disagree that you need to want to grow and change a little bit. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, 
you need to stay true to what you're doing and what you enjoy doing. Like you have focused a lot on touring and live shows and that's the bulk of what you're doing. And Except, so it yeah. makes sense if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> and, of, and of course, if you continue to do something over and over, you're going to find ways to tweak it and make it better for yourself yeah. and see it grow. Exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great answer. Well, thanks. <laughs> that's pretty cool, too, that you're doing exactly what you wanted to be doing five years down the line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's a little bit troublesome, though, when I get asked, well, you know, like, well, what are you going to do when you're done doing this? Mm -hmm. And that's those people it's, that don't understand. Uh, yeah, I don't, like, that is so insulting. I don't think that some people realize how insulting it really is like mm -hmm. you know like I'm gonna age out of it I'm like well I don't really buy into that theory mm -hmm. like should I no and then I started going well will I will I age out of it like when I get old and super wrinkly are people gonna like stop liking my music like no like that's probably when I'll really be able to write like the good stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know yeah hmm. No, and that that makes sense, and I think I think that kind of attitude just all circles back to, um, you know, ignorance of the people that aren't trying to do it, you know. Yeah, I know that maybe sounds a little harsh, but <laughs> they just don't know. They right. just don't know. Like it's very plausible and possible for you to keep doing this for another twenty, thirty, forty years. Right. Yeah. You know, as long as you're able to pick up a guitar and sing, yeah. and people want to come to the venues, then you're good to go. Right. You know, you'll probably see and have seen over the last 10 years lots of fluctuation. Um, oh, for sure. But hopefully a continual upward yeah. trend, which <laughs> yeah. it seems like you have, you know. Yeah. You, you, you took the dive, you found uh -huh. your support system and yes. started building yourself up for a couple of years. Then you started hitting the road realizing, okay, this is the thing. Uh -huh. And very recently... Um, you you hit what I would consider another milestone. I think you would as well. You managed to pick up a booking agent who understands what you're doing and and how you're trying to do it and is willing to work with you. Is that correct? Is that oh. ish? You know, bringing in somebody <laughs> new who you know who knows yes. what they're doing, quote unquote, can always yeah. be a challenge. But it seems like you wouldn't have said yes if you didn't think that this person was beneficial to what you're doing. I, yes. Yeah, um, I'm 100% for DIY. Mm -hmm. I mean, for God's sakes, like, I'm learning how to fix a sprinter van. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's not what I thought DIY would mean, like, having to take care of mechanical fixes, mm -hmm. you know. Admittedly, my husband does way more of the mechanical stuff than I do, but the whole, like, DIY thing is... Not saying like don't build your team. I'm one hundred. Sure. I am one hundred and ten percent for building your team, bringing people into your team that are the right fit for you, and uh, you know not being afraid to like let that control go because it is a little bit of a control issue. Mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. um, particularly in booking, and you know since you brought up the booking agent. The particular person that we went with, they weren't the right fit. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so you subsequently painful. stopped working with them after a few um, months. Well, see, here's the thing. It was like uh, you ever like go on a date with someone, and then it just 
you never really have a discussion like this really isn't working out. You just mm-hmm. kind of like go your own separate ways, not even intentionally. Mm-hmm. You just kind of stop communicating and people aren't, you know. You ghosted your booking agent? Well, it was. It's <laughs> 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 so funny. <laughs> I guess that's sort of what happened and it definitely went both ways though. Mm. And it's not a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe at any time I could pick up the phone and we could chat. And I think if I were to be like, hey, you know, like get us bookings, do the thing. Mm. Um, I think maybe they would work a little bit harder. Um, mm. But again, back to dating. Do you really want to date someone that you're like, hey, you really need to love me, love mm. me, you know, like you shouldn't have to tell somebody that like mm-hmm. they do or, or they don't. It yeah. works. Well, my level of narcissism as an artist doesn't. requires me <laughs> to be on the receiving end of that. I'm not yes. going <laughs> to, I need to hear that even if I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Like really it wasn't, um. And man, I have a, a lot of stories about the bad music industry relations, but this particular thing was just kind of a, mm-hmm. um, I think it's easier for them to book uh, a $100,000 act or even a $10,000 act than independent, not famous people. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's an interesting thing about that. You know, right. it goes goes back to uh, I know the 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 perceived legitimacy. Yeah, like I'll admit I have not seen you perform, but I did I did read your bio <laughs> so and funny. your blurbs, <laughs> and I understand that you're fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. You know, to, I think to the my, average... my head swelling right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do have a lot of really great little uh, little blurbs on your on your bio. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it's a little bit of a tangent, but one uh, one caught me off guard, and it's the very first one you have posted. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is uh, in the wake of hearing a handful of uh, female artist friends of mine kind of bemoan uh, sexism in the industry, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I know is just there. But the very first, uh, the very first quote on the website says you know not only is she easy on the eyes and and i was thinking like man you know you would see that here and there for dudes yeah but it wouldn't be the first thing out of someone's mouth no and so that that to me is just like a small subtle window into some of the challenges that might present themselves for you (laughs) (laughs) hello can of worms (laughs) Skip over it. You know, it's, it, I, I appreciate talking about these things because they 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 help me. You know, it's not sure. your job to help me as the poor white man. <laughs> like, but it never hurts to share your stories and perspectives. Sure. Yeah. No. I. Um. Well. Okay. For for one thing, almost since we started. Um, I've been working with my husband. So so our band name is Danica and the Jeb. Mm-hmm. And um, people 
I think because I'm working with my husband. And here's the thing, like mm. nowhere nowhere online or anywhere in our bio would it say like these two are, are a couple. Oftentimes after shows, people are like, are you guys a thing? Um, and it's not something that's a secret or it's not something that we don't talk about, but it's just, it's not part of what we do mm. musically. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's not part of our act. Like we obviously have onstage chemistry um, in the way people who've been playing together for so long do. So because of that, like because I work with a male partner, mm. um, my women woman in the industry stories are not nearly as bad mm. as mm -hmm. as a lot of my friends. Wow. So I kind of feel lucky. Sure. And it's kind of pathetic that I feel lucky. Like, oh, I got out of that, like, you know, guys being creepy to me. Mm -hmm. um, they just never went there because I, you know, I was just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Jeb looks like he I could think... punch somebody in the face pretty hard. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen him do that. <laughs> oh, cool. New experiences somewhere yeah. down the line. Oh, That'll fun. Be great. I can't wait. <laughs> he he's definitely run interference in mm. the early mm -hmm. in the early gig days, you know, when we were playing bars till like two in the morning. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Those, yeah. Just sitting here thinking, like, there are a lot of stories that are coming back to me that I've forgotten. This is a great discussion because I've forgotten about a lot of things that have happened. Um, oh. <laughs> you want to hit us with one? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's not a unique experience, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. It would just, eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just probably whatever like sleazy story you're thinking of, that's probably it. You know, it's just not really worth rehashing or retelling because they're lame. Mm-hmm. Um well, let's switch gears. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, before we switch gears though, uh -huh. the the one thing as a as a female in the industry that has consistently irked me and been a problem is and again, because I work with a male partner, um, many people have presumed that it's Jeb that does everything mm. for the business, mm -hmm. the booking and the management and the finances and, um, you know, and they think I'm just this person who just, you know, shows up and sings and does the guitar and keyboard thing. And that really bothers me hmm. and fortunately if jeb hears somebody going in that direction with their comment he is the first person to jump in and be like well oh actually danica does all of our booking and this and this and this and this and she does way more than i do anyway so hmm. i mean that's him being nice because mm -hmm. we definitely share in the responsibilities but that's the one um thing that's bugged me mm -hmm. is people thinking oh like you know what does she know right right and that i think is is right in line with the same reason that comment i brought up uh caught my eye is it's mm -hmm. such a it's such a subtle but important thing to notice mm -hmm. you know <clears throat> and this you know just goes for people interacting with people in the music industry mm -hmm. you know when 
speaking to to women. I don't know. It's such a deep, yeah. It's it's a convoluted subject. It is. Um, mm-hmm. It is, and I mm-hmm. I'm gonna say something that's probably really unpopular, but man, I feel bad for just like nice dudes mm-hmm. who are just trying to like be nice, you know, and have female friendships and like work with female musicians mm-hmm. and and not be weird or sleazy. Because unfortunately, like some some females have taken it just a little bit too far. Like, you know, the person who thinks like they're always being hit on mm-hmm. when they're not. Mm-hmm. Like that is as annoying to me. Mm. Like, and I just think it's kind of unfair. Sure, sure, and that's that's the far side of the spectrum. It is. You know, I've found it not that difficult to collaborate with women yeah. <laughs> in Nashville, but that's I've, you great. Know, I've heard. Horror stories as well. Yeah. You know? And honestly, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've become so business-minded lately. Yeah. <laughs> <that> like, <laughs> if something could be good for this low drag or the things that I'm trying to put out into the world, like, uh-huh. why try to ruin that with, with you know, basic manly urges? <laughs> <laughs> you have some good points here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that much. I do, I do, yeah. I do appreciate that. And that's a, you know just food for thought yeah no i love this conversation it's just it's really i was wondering where it would go and mm-hmm. <laughs> well look here we are mm-hmm. <laughs> well let's let's go a little less a little less uh, socially precarious and talk about um your early adoption of an adherence to being an independent artist yeah. You know, I'm sure there might have been a time, especially early on, where you're like, oh, I got to get a label and I got to get this, that and the other thing. But then you discovered, oh, I can do this on my own really well. So right when I was deciding to go all in, the tipping point, at that point in my life, I took a deep dive into anything I could read books, blogs on being an independent Mm. musician. Mm -hmm. And I tell myself, oh no, I never really wanted a record label deal. I'm like, am I, did I, did I not want that? I don't remember. Honestly, if I, if that's something that I really wanted, Mm. I don't remember ever really wanting that because I, I kind of feel lucky and that I figured out from an early point, the very beginning that I could do this myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that had to be with just kind of being at a rock bottom place in my life and just not expecting anybody to do anything mm-hmm. for me ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just like a low, a low confidence thing. Like, oh, no, no, no one will give a shit. So I'm just going to do this myself. Well, those are two very different statements. They, <laughs> to say nobody's going to want to do something or yeah. nobody's going to give a shit. Yeah. Those are two different things. Yes. You know, I'd say that the, the former is a little more true. You do mm-hmm. have to convince people to want to work with you and do things yes. with you. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, somebody's always going to give a shit. Yeah. More than one shit, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> two shits. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I really did just read as much as I could mm-hmm. and learn, like, uh, do you know Bob Baker? Mm-hmm. He was the first music guru that I kind of came across, and I read all his books, and I followed him, and and he was a major 
influence in my life mm-hmm. in terms of doing it independently. Also, I grew up in Iowa, mm. Midwest. There is no music industry there. And I actually would um, try and network and connect mm. with the most successful local musicians in my area. And I did, you know, and looking back, I realized the advice and the people I was connecting with were making their living as as bar entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I have no shame to say I did that for a while, and I'm not judging anybody who makes their living playing in bars like hey like you're making it work like you're doing it you're making a living through music amazing but I never wanted to be a bar star yet I never dreamed of the major record label like the Madison Square Garden Mm -hmm. being on that stage like that wasn't a part of this dream I had it really was just like connecting with people and and them listening, which mm. is kind of crazy that that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing now. But the whole advice, you got you really got to watch who you're getting your advice from. Mm-hmm. You know, I can give advice to people that could be the worst advice ever for them. Sure. But Terrible that's something advice. that develops over time. Uh-huh. You know, like when you're when you're young and you don't know anything... Yeah. And somebody says something with authority. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how wrong they are. Yeah. You know, you'll have to find out for yourself later in life that they're wrong. And then you you grow up and you realize everybody's pretty much making it up as they go along. Exactly. <laughs> so you and just got to do what feels right. Right. And isn't it that they're not actually wrong? Hmm. It's just mm-hmm. wrong for you. Right. Right. And that's a really important <laughs> distinction wrong, to make, right? <laughs> you know, because yes. I... I, I We'll talk about with people the the period in my life before I started working on this particular project, mm-hmm. where I was very lost in music. I had been I had been in a band that was my job for a while, and that broke up. And the the breakup was really hard for me because the band was such a huge part of my identity. It was like what I was doing in my early twenties. Yeah. But it also showed me like, oh, there are hired guns. There are people who hang out in studios. There are people who write. There are people who just sing. There are all these different things that you can do. In in the music industry if you're you know capable of doing them and so that kind of like made my head spin for a couple of years I tried a lot of different things out mm-hmm. and you know it just had to come to a point myself where I didn't want to you know, I realized I didn't want to be a bar star in terms of all those other things mm-hmm. but like you know if that's if you never left Iowa then that might be all you saw if you didn't educate yourself, read right. those books and those kinds of things, yes. then you would have thought like, oh, this is what being a musician is and this is what I have to do. Exactly. And if you tried it and hated it, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't want to be a musician anymore, which is, which is a shame because there are a million ways to do it. A uh, cat likes to eat dog food. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to take you out of the music world there, listeners, but <laughs> sometimes you got to lay the whip down. I was wondering what the yeah. crunching was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why so. she's uh, so large. <laughs> she gets into baby's food. Yeah. That's funny. And baby's too old to give a shit. She's like, go ahead, man. Oh, I know. She's definitely like, eh. <laughs> she's like, I know you'll give me more later when I need it, so I'm not worried about her running out. <laughs> So 
So wait, where were we? Sorry, we get animal <laughs> distracted. Yeah. I don't even know where we were. <laughs> Let me think. Uh, oh, if we'd never left Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'd never left Iowa. Oh, yeah. And I do, um, I'm friends with, man, I just, I hesitate to say this stuff because I don't, I don't want it to come off as bitchy and, and judgy because it's not meant to be that way, you know, but. I do look at people that I'm friends with in my hometown that are still kind of doing the same thing now mm-hmm. that they were years ago. Mm-hmm. And and I know that if that were me, I wouldn't be doing this still. Mm-hmm. And so. do you think that they are happy doing what they're doing? Because some people really love that. Yeah. Like the Broadway life here Heck in yeah. Nashville. Oh, I know, right? Mm-hmm. And some people like, I yeah. can't wait to get out of this. Show. Yes. Yeah. And that's a whole other discussion, right? You know, because I have friends who play on Broadway and mm-hmm. they're, they love it, mm-hmm. you know? And then, but I did that once. I played one four-hour gig at, uh, so we were like, the place has changed names so many times. It was like Cadillac Ranch and then Tequila Cowboy. Mm-hmm. Might even have a different name now. I don't know. But anyway, we were a band there. And I played the one four-hour gig and I was like, uh, no, mm-hmm. never again. And I never did that again because mm-hmm. it didn't, it didn't feel good. Yeah. It didn't feel right. It wasn't even fun. And I didn't even hardly make any money. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's a definite strikeout. Yeah. There's got to be a different way for me sure. to make money in Nashville. And ironically, I hardly even play in Nashville. Mm-hmm. If I do, it's a, it's for fun. You know, like it's a songwriter round with friends yeah it's, it's a hang yeah i'm there to like hang out and play music and be with my people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's to make my soul feel good yeah and so. for those of you listening at home nashville you might have seen a couple articles floating around about austin texas lately um and and how musicians are compensated it's it's not dissimilar here in nashville we've got a strip uh, downtown Nashville, about four blocks where it's just bar after bar after bar, and they all have live music there, big bands playing. And the typical gig offered to a musician at these bars is you play a four-hour set, oftentimes with no breaks. And uh, depending on the bar itself, they will pay you exactly zero to $100 for this four-hour gig. Mm -hmm. Some places will pay that much per band member, but oftentimes it's just, here, you guys (laughs) divide it up. So if you got five people in the band, everybody's making 20 bucks, and you depend on the tips of the patrons of that bar. Which, on the one hand, if it's a Friday night and you and your people in your band love playing, you know, like Don't Stop Believing," you yeah. know, you can make some great money. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a really good way. But if you're trying to, you know, express yourself and your art uh, and, and find real fans of, of what you're making, it's a terrible place to do that. And I think... You know, for some people, like, a gig's a gig's a gig, mm-hmm. and they don't really think about, like, whether or not the gigs that they're taking are the right ones. But I know that you think about whether or not the gigs you're taking are the right ones. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And how did you get to that? So we used to say yes to everything. Sure. hmm We were yes people. And through the process of always saying yes, we realized the things that... Um, well, do you care if I just go in a little bit deeper? Yeah, yeah, on this? yeah please. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, let us both get comfy. Okay. <laughs> Settled into this teal chair with the cool throw. Um, so we have this three bucket theory. Mm-hmm. And at the end of a gig, we evaluate. This sounds like real academic. It's not. We just talk about, like, did this gig concert fill the three buckets? So the three buckets are fans. Did that show make us new fans? Like, real fans. Mm -hmm. People who are going to keep in touch and come see us again. Mm -hmm. So did we make fans? That's one bucket. Another bucket is our soul bucket. Mm -hmm. As we're driving down the road on the way to the next gig, how do I feel right now? Did I go... Oh yeah, man, I I really connected with them mm. when I told that story and I saw that woman crying during that song mm-hmm. and I went, "Yes." <laughs> um and when Jeb told that story, they were like belly laughing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel so good right now because we connected with the audience. Um or is the soul bucket empty? Mm. You know, did we just kind of fall flat? Were we not able to make the connections with people that we were trying to make? Mm-hmm. Um, were we just background music? We rarely are background music. Mm-hmm. Um, but occasionally we say yes to a concert like that. This is a tangent. We say yes to that sort of gig because going into it, we know what we're doing. Uh, we know that we are there to make this person's anniversary party mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And we're part of that event in making it a, a really, really special memory for them and their family members. Mm-hmm. And people are talking over us the whole time, but it doesn't feel bad to me because I knew what we were going into doing. Mm-hmm. So this and that's is the money bucket. I'm this assuming. is <laughs> <laughs> right. So the third bucket. So we have our fan bucket, our soul bucket. The third bucket is the money bucket. You know, did mm-hmm. we leave with a Nice, good paycheck. Um, um, did we hardly make any money at all? Did we get uh, duped financially? Did, mm. did something go wrong there? Like, did we think it was going to be a good paying gig, but it just wasn't quite there? Um, and the financial bucket, I mean, that's like, those are those corporate events and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And I don't, um, I, I like doing that stuff. Actually, on occasion. Mm -hmm. I like doing it on occasion because I'm very grateful for the money they pay us to do it. They know that we're going to make their event significantly better. Mm -hmm. We do. Mm -hmm. We make it special. The band, the music sets the tone for that entire fundraiser, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Like We are such an important part of what's happening there, Mm -hmm. although they're not there for us. We know that we are valued and we're playing an important role in it. Hmm. We didn't go in thinking, oh, this is a concert. Mm-hmm. We went in going, okay, it's not about us today. We're, the, we're here as facilitators to make this better for everybody yeah. else. And guess what? That actually can make us fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are our three buckets. And to get back to your question, if we bring this around, it was you are very careful we were careful in the gigs that we choose and do. So going into it, you know, if whether or not we say yes or no, or whether or not we reach out for an opportunity, it always has to do with 
those three things right there. Mm-hmm. A perfect night where the stars align and everything goes correctly. We leave with a bunch of money. Our souls feel amazing because it was super fun. We connected and we made a bunch of new fans. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect night. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two out of three is not bad. No. And and <laughs> have you have you read Ari Herstan's How to Make It in the New Music Business? Um, I haven't read it. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it. Um, when Ari was writing that book, he actually contacted us. Oh, cool. About the the Nashville chapter mm-hmm. about what mm-hmm. it was like to live in Nashville. And Jeb actually has a quote in that book. Like it's at the oh, beginning cool. of the chapter Fun. and um, it's like right next to Luke Bryan's quote, which kind of cracks me up. <laughs> so no, I haven't read it, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, he, and I can't, um, it, it's failing me now. Um, but he and one other person that I've talked with recently uh, might be Bradford Loomis. Um, you all have your own versions of that three-tier system. Mm. You know, it's got to be it's got to be either great for my career mm-hmm. or great for my spirit or great for my wallet. Mm-hmm. Any one of those, yeah. Any one of those maxed out will make a good show. Yeah. But a combination of the three, he does his in terms of points. So it's sure. Like, you know, you got to get X amount of points. Sure. Each, call them, you know, whatever. But <laughs> those, those are really smart ways to look at shows. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it can be hard, especially in the, in the beginning when you don't understand what you're doing uh, or, or, or the value of what you're doing. And mm-hmm. you don't have as much confidence and you don't have as much experience to fall back on, um, to know when to say no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And saying no is hard. Can you, do you remember the first couple of gigs you said no to when you got to that point? <laughs> um, specifically, uh, no, I can't, I can't think of a specific no, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I can't. No, <laughs> just, just no. Saying no to that question, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> this I am loving this discussion so much cool. because I'm digging deep in my memory vault, just stuff they haven't talked about or even thought about for ages. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure that, that the things that you're doing, you know, and I hear this all the time talking to musicians, are so matter-of-fact. Mm-hmm. Um, your day-to-day life is mundane to you. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you do fun, exciting things that, that I am you actually so realize. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> no, not actually. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's all, it's all a matter of perspective. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a really cool thing what you and Jeb have managed to build over the last several years and that you stick with it and you maintain consistency and you've now found a way to not only sustain yourself and keep going in a way that makes you happy. Yeah. That's a really important and significant thing. That's definitely key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it ever a challenge to, I mean, I know the answer is yes. How, what are the, what are the advantages and disadvantages of working with a spouse? Oh, okay. Well, 
the obvious major advantage. Well, well, no, this is kind of interesting because I call this an advantage, mm. and some people would call this exact same thing that I'm about to say a disadvantage. Mm. One, the advantage to me, we're always together. Mm. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. Like we get to travel together, and our off days, we're like, "What do you want to do today? Let's go see the Grand Canyon." Mm. It's amazing. Like how many people get to do that with their with their mm-hmm. partner? You know, just. Um, but other people have said, like, oh, my God, I could never work with my wife or my husband. We would kill each other. It'd be the worst. So to me, that is the advantage. Um, the disadvantage, there's obviously a lot more advantages, many disadvantages as well. But the um, the the main disadvantage is there's – because we're partners, there is not – not one of us makes all the decisions – like we usually kind of have to run things by the other mm-hmm. person, which mm-hmm. makes it a little bit more difficult mm-hmm. logistically. Sure. Um, we've done a pretty good job of though div- of dividing responsibilities, um, and we kind of stay out of each other's lanes mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of what we do to mm-hmm. not complicate, in order to not complicate things. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the thing that has worked the best for us if we have a disagreement which happens all the time we're both like super opinionated people okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we disagree on things all the time and the way that we've learned to handle it is is to say like i have a really really strong opinion about this that we do this here and if the other person goes Okay, well, my opinion's not as strong as yours. Like, the person with the strong opinion, like, wins Mm. the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, we do it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually, one of us will have a stronger opinion than the other one. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, although there are opposite opinions at times, like, if I just, like, if I want to do this thing so bad and I have such a strong opinion and he doesn't, doesn't want to do it, but it's kind of like, eh, I don't want to. He's That's a little indifferent. So, like, I'm going to win that one. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I'm uh, although I've I've heard happy wife, happy life, I'm a little <laughs> surprised that you don't get your way all the time. Well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm. I'm sure you're working on it. Yeah. But it's a... Uh, it's all good. Like, it really is kind of interesting, like, yeah, working with your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, good things, bad things. There are no secrets. Mm-hmm. Like, you just know each other's messiness uh, <laughs> in every way that you can possibly define the word messiness. <laughs> I'm talking about yeah. emotional, uh-huh. yeah. mm-hmm. psychological Gosh, I mean, like, we travel in a sprinter van. Like, thank God we're both super clean people. Mm. I would not be able... I could not tour in one of those tangent... And, like, one of those bands, like, where it's just, like, a bunch of, like, people in a van that are messy and cluttered. Like, no. (laughs) I just... Mm. I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, things like that matter to me. Yeah. About sustainability, right? Mm -hmm. I could do, like, a two-week tour like that. But and if it's someone in a was super like super dirty van, yeah, with the, <laughs> with the rowdy someone, crew, yeah, two weeks is a long time for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I good could, on you. 
I think two days would be a long time for that. Now, you're about to go out on a pretty giant stretch, is that right? Yeah. Six weeks or so out on the road? So, this particular one will just be about 20 days. Mm. Um, do you know about flower petal touring? No. Okay, so, I or it could be called like wagon wheel touring. This is one of the main reasons we moved to Nashville. So, imagine Nashville. Mm-hmm. It's the center of your flower. I call it flower petals. Mm-hmm. Cause, yeah. And then you just like draw flower petals on hmm. a map mm-hmm. and you just keep coming back to Nashville hmm. in the middle. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. So within, you know, if you leave Nashville in 10 hours, you can be in D.C. or you could be down in Florida or in Texas or the Midwest, Michigan, Missouri, like, you can reach mm. so much of the United States if you just leave Nashville and go 10 hours in mm-hmm. whatever direction you choose. So, I don't really have it in me to do those six-month tours. Mm. Good Lord, my friends in bands that just are like, we're leaving on a nine-month tour. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Which I get if you've got... You know, a team and a bus driver. Heck yeah! But like, if you got to do that, well, especially with, you know, I I did I did touring in a three piece. Yeah. And the longest we were out consecutively was like two and a half months or something like Mm -hmm. that. You know, I like the I like the two to four week kind of thing if you're gonna Uh go out and do that thing. But even then, just just dividing up the the uh, logistical. <laughs> uh, responsibilities between three people mm-hmm. for that many days. Yep. So challenging. Mm-hmm. Driving, 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 driving. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, you yeah. know how many times I've said, people go, What do you do? I'm like, Oh, I'm a professional mm-hmm. driver. Sure. Yeah. And I sing songs <laughs> yeah. every now and then. I would imagine you've probably spent, <laughs> you know, five to 10 times <laughs> as many hours driving as you've had playing over oh, the last few years. Oh, way more. <laughs> Way more. I definitely have a career as a future truck driver. Mm-hmm. Should an opportunity, yeah. <laughs> if all hell breaks loose and I need, I need a way to make a living. I'm pretty damn good in a vehicle. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's one of those. It really is kind of an ancillary skill. Yeah. You know, I I can now drive yeah. ten hours and yeah. think like, oh, that's 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 a long drive. Yeah. Instead of like, oh my god, that's an impossible drive. Right. People yeah. are like, oh, I got to drive two hours to yeah. this place. I'm like, cake. Right, and, yeah. and you can do the 10 hours in a day, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So, uh, but that's another huge advantage of not just being solo by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you can you can split the driving Yeah, the last with time I else. went on a tour, it was, I just did a week. You know, I, 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 I'm based here in Nashville. Yeah. I do my online stuff, and and so that, that means that that's where my shows mm-hmm. are. But I did, you know, go out on, like I said, a week long run. And when I was doing that, I was by myself. I, it was just me. And, um, you know, I had, I had, um, remote help, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of somebody helping me advance the shows and being somebody I could communicate with back and forth. They weren't in the vehicle with me on the tour. And oh. that meant that like the majority of things I had to do were all pertaining to that tour. I could uh-huh. do very little else besides get to the venues and check in, do my sound check, play my, play my uh-huh. stuff, set up my stuff, tear oh. my stuff down, 
<laughs> pack it all out and get in the car keep driving all that shit yeah and it you know in terms of like anything creative in terms of uh you know any other projects like if i needed to do album art or record a song mm-hmm. or you know i couldn't do what we're doing now mm-hmm. anything else except the tour was off the table yes you know and i imagine it's it's still the same for the most part with two people but man just to be able to have a couple hours sitting in the passenger seat to like mm-hmm. answer emails or yeah. research something or mm-hmm. nap. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I totally get that. And you have not taken uh, any other team members out on the road with you yet. Is that, is that right? Not on the road. Mm-hmm. Not on the road. You're in such small close spaces Mm -hmm. i'm such an introvert Mm -hmm. i just love my personal space Mm -hmm. it's a major challenge i deal with because i know in order to grow our team i know that i need to get over that oh but i don't want anyone else around Mm -hmm. (laughs) feeling um but yeah like we definitely have the space for it we could if we really wanted to, we absolutely could. And I, that's, that's my own personal hurdle is just, nah, not really. <laughs> I sound so antisocial. Mm-mm. I'm not, I just like my own space. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? and you've been doing it this way for so long, you know, it would, it would really have to be somebody who, you know, a, you really value and appreciate their company right <laughs> and don't mind yeah. them being around and they understand mm-hmm. you know the the touring dynamic yeah. or b if not a then somebody who just does such a fucking good job right that it's like fine you'll be annoying and farting loudly in the van <laughs> and i'll get by but you just kick so much ass <laughs> <laughs> you're so good <laughs> yeah and i think i'm i guess i'm more worried that i would drive them crazy hmm well, that doesn't matter. You're the talent. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> well, see, that's... So this is a whole other discussion, right? About mm. about management. Mm. So traditionally, it's the manager's role to kind of be the boss, be the asshole. Mm. That if somebody doesn't show up on time, the manager kind of has to deal with it and, and get on their case. The manager writes the checks and does those, you know those sort of things that kind of suck to do. Mm-hmm. The manager is the one that if they see an artist getting sucked into a conversation with a fan and if like one fan is monopolizing this mm-hmm. artist time mm-hmm. after the show where there's a long line at the merch table, the manager steps in and says, hey, can I, you know, let's move this along. And so the artist doesn't have to look terrible and be like, hey, you're really sucking my time out here and you haven't even (laughs) bought anything and there's a bunch of people in line behind you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Getting back to when you don't have a manager, um, all of those roles and responsibilities fall onto you Mm -hmm. as the artist. (sighs) So, (laughs) again, this is... Again, it's a it's another personality thing. Like, uh, I just maybe I expect too much out of people, but if you're gonna be on my team, like you gotta do 
what you say you're going to do and you need to show up on time mm-hmm. and you need to not get drunk during gigs mm-hmm. and you need to be professional mm-hmm. and you need to do your weight and load in and tear down and you need to interact with fans mm-hmm. even when you're not wanting to and when you've hardly got any sleep and you're mm-hmm. exhausted like you can't have somebody on stage who when when fans are still watching after the show like just look miserable and maybe talk shit and maybe mm-hmm. um you gotta have people who are all in right, right? yeah um and that's a skill and an understanding to develop to understand yes. that you are on yes. when you're in the presence of people who are supporting your music and, yes. and your business. Yes. You know? And it's not being fake. Mm-hmm. It's not being fake. And I mm-hmm. know you understand this. I think I'm just explaining this more for anyone who might be listening, going like, what? So you got to like fake it? No, you don't. It's just you, you, you need to give your best to these people who are paying money and almost more importantly than the paying money, they're giving you their time mm-hmm. to listen to your music. They want to be there. Um, so you owe it to them to, even if you're not feeling good, mm-hmm. you know, to chat afterwards. Um, if if you can, like if yeah. there, obviously you got to get on the road sometimes. Sometimes you're so sick, like you just got to go to bed. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about like the day to day. Everyday thing. Um, And getting back to where I was going um, with the management comment, you have team members who are traveling with you along with the manager, and the team members aren't doing what they need to be doing. It's the manager's role to say, you got to get to sound check on time. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, and that, I don't know. That's just a... As an artist, though, like... It goes without saying. You have... Well, see? <laughs> show up. I know, show up on time. <laughs> I know that we're similar people, but that doesn't come naturally to all musicians. I hate to stereotype people. It's unfair to put musicians in the, like, can't be responsible or show up on time mm-hmm. stereotype. It's so unfair because so many of them are professionals. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are, though. Mm-hmm. And if you get someone in your bus... Um, as artists, you're the asshole now to say, you got to show up on time. Like somebody has to, you know, be the boss. Like management exists for a reason, not only in the music industry, but that's why if you work at Best Buy, you have a manager, like in any business Mm, structure mm -hmm. or system, like there's got to be somebody in charge kind of just doing the things that they got to do. And, um, that's another reason why it's been hard for, us for me to expand our team because i hate i hate being that person i hate being the asshole unfortunately i would let it fester and Mm. just be like secretly pissed off and annoyed instead of like confront the problem you know that's my own issue Mm -hmm. but i don't like doing that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. it's not fun and what's worse is it can mess with your on-stage chemistry sure Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and audiences are are smart. They're intuitive, mm-hmm. especially in in small environments that we play. Like, if you're on a huge stage, um, and people are kind of far away from it, 
and you're playing, you know, with your in-ears, you can, you could maybe get away with it. But in a lot of these small, intimate environments that we're playing, like, if something's off with the band, people aren't stupid. Hmm. They can sense it. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even, uh, you know, I, I do these these online broadcasts and not unlike yourself mm -hmm. i'm performing multiple times a week yeah you know and i'm sure that you have those <laughs> those days where you're just up there and you're like god damn it i don't want to be up here and <laughs> play these dumb songs and yeah. <laughs> more often than not that's not the case of you course. Know? obviously if it were yeah. we wouldn't be doing what we're doing yeah but you know just to i've i've been told that um it's less obvious when I'm having a bad time and more obvious when I'm having a really good time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's cool. That's comforting. That is great. That's you know? really good to know, isn't it? Because when you're having those not so great days, you're mm -hmm. all up in your head. Yes, you are. <laughs> and you have no idea. Well, you're just so there that it's almost impossible to receive what's coming your way from yeah. the audience in terms mm -hmm. of their their energy and their excitement and yeah. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or maybe you're reading an audience wrong. Like mm. that's happened to me before mm. where I'm, I I just get an audience wrong. Mm. Like I just missed them. I missed the mark. Mm -hmm. I thought I did. I thought I did. And I was all up in my head the whole show. And then afterwards, suddenly it's like these people who seem totally unengaged and almost mm. lifeless mm. are coming up and being like, oh, you know, I really loved when you sang that one lyric and they'll like, tell mm. me the lyric mm -hmm. word for word. Mm -hmm. And then they'll buy a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, how did I miss this? Like, how did I miss the mark so wrong that I really thought we were falling flat tonight yet we weren't, it was just, um, well, how do you think about this? Like, can you see like people interacting differently I'm, I'm wondering how this translates to what you do hmm. in the, um, when people are interacting online and you can't necessarily see their faces, yeah. right? So how does this work for you? I'm super curious. Yeah, if you don't mind, if it, I well, ask it's the always, It's always hard to tell. Um, and, you know, I have these, I have these things in my head that I try to use as litmus tests for mm -hmm. how much an, uh, an audience online yeah. is enjoying a show um, because, you know, playing playing online is a very different type of experience for both the performer and the audience, you know. So if, if there are, you know, enough people watching to have the chat rolling if everybody's commenting mm -hmm. on, you know, say like ask a question, everybody answers and you just see it roll and roll and roll. If that continues happening while I'm playing, I feel like I'm not doing that great a job. Um, you know, and that's for one of two reasons. One, Ooh. either the audience is enjoying one another and the conversation that is sparked amongst them within the chat. Uh -huh. uh, sometimes that just runs wild. Like somebody, you know, I'll be like, how you guys doing? And somebody will say something and it will just like cascade into this conversation amongst the audience and it's important um that they that they take part in that i i appreciate that and i encourage that even if 
I'm not really a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it is hard to have a real time conversation with somebody uh, when they're chatting and you are talking, <sighs> you know, or typing, I should say, typing <sighs> versus talking. Yeah. Um, you know, so on the one hand, if like I see a bunch of irrelevant stuff going on in the chat, I think either A, I'm not connecting with these people right now, or B, they are really connecting with this aspect of what is being provided here. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other side of it is like if I see nothing going on and there are enough people watching to have a good chat going that it's like oh i i'm performing well i sound good i feel good i'm channeling what i'm trying to channel and it's a it's a really interesting and fun thing for them to watch interesting and it's it really is so so different from a live show because the way that i play and the way that i interact with the audience is different from a live show you Mm -hmm. know it's like i'll stop mid-song and and relay a comment or you know throw in my two cents or answer somebody's question or something like that whereas like you know if i were doing a traditional gig i might not stop in the middle of a song to say something which i might from time to time but it's and harder to do when you're working with somebody even if you are in tune also true Mm -hmm. yeah and so you know I, I've experienced the same thing. And, and while you were saying, like, you know, I, I didn't realize that I had connected with these people, like, I am one of those audience members, I think, in part because of how I listen to music based on what I do for a living and, and mm-hmm. my opinions on music and all of that. And in part just because I'm not a wildly extroverted person. Gotcha. You know, I will, I could sit and watch your entire set you know, leaning back in my chair, barely tapping my toes, arms crossed, you know, and <laughs> oh, be loving it. An arms crosser you, know? you are. Yeah. Well, you know, when you move, when you, when you grow up in LA and you move to Nashville, that's how you're trained to be in an audience. <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> but, you know, and other yeah. people like, you know, they'll, they'll hear a tune um, you know, I've mean, I've experienced this. I've been doing this this uh, broadcast show Thursday nights. So I'll bring somebody on. Which, oh, by the way, I meant to talk to you about. We're recording this in the morning ish for me. Uh-huh. That that I was like, I I do my shows from nine thirty to ten. You were trying to get this started at like ten in the morning. There's uh-huh. chatting afterwards. Uh-huh. There's tearing down. I don't do it here. I do it somewhere else. Sure. And so I was thinking like, oh. I don't want to have to like explain myself yeah. over text, but, but I can't imagine you were like, God, what's, what's this piece of shit doing? But he can't be like fucking up and ready to go at 10. But that show, it takes me, it takes me till like midnight or so to get home. It's okay. I, I actually love that you just brought that up. Cause when you were texting, you're like, Oh, I have a show the night before. I was like, Oh yeah, I've been there with the late show. And then I asked what it was. And when you did say like it's what was it like nine to ten thirty mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something? Yeah, you were I, like cool like, dot dot dot. I almost like <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll just give you shit about it now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because like I really wanted to like text back something super snarky like, Oh yeah, it's gonna be a really late night. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh man, I don't know if I know him well enough for him to know I'm totally joking. <laughs> So I love that you brought that up just now. No, and it's all good. Like, I'm just, I'm such a morning person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yay, it's morning. Let's get up and get on with the day. It's because, mm. like, my dogs wake me up. That's, ex- that, mm. that is why I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. Like, six o'clock a.m. Like, I've got a, I've, <laughs> yeah, right? But it's, it's so normal to me. Like, wow. so I got like mm-hmm. a dog nose in my face that's mm-hmm. wagging her tail and like, okay, mm-hmm. feed me mm-hmm. the days. So 
Yeah. So like by nine or ten, like I've been awake for four hours already. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right? I'm ready to get to it. Yeah. The last couple of years, I've been like, okay, if I can get out of bed yeah. by nine thirty, yeah, then I'm doing good. You know, but I also do you stay up late supernight? Like do you stay up uh, late? If if I I'll if I am in bed before midnight, then I'm in bed early. Okay. Yeah. But I'm not like staying up till two, three, four every night. Yeah, like I, gotcha. I used to. Um, yeah, I just don't like doing that anymore. Cause I I like the mornings, but I don't like waking up super early. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I imagine mm-hmm. baby likes to sleep in. She just likes to sleep. Period. She, she kind of looks like she's a That's super where she's sleeper. At. I think she's she's probably somewhere right now. Yeah, somewhere sleeping right now. Yeah, it's the last couple of years, especially just sleeps and sleeps and sleeps. <laughs> so. But yeah, all that. Thank you for understanding. I'm not a total piece of shit. I was, I was you <laughs> I, know, I morning people versus night owls. <laughs> no, I I get it. That's. That's why I didn't. That's why I didn't push it. And, and your your response was just so like, well, you're the artist, so mm-hmm. you're the guest, so mm-hmm. we'll do what you want. Like you were so nice in your response. That's what I was like. It's just well, my an main extra concern hour. was just being. Um, even now, even now, it kind of like stressed me out last night because oh, I really? did. I I I walked in the door after the show at eleven fifty five. Okay. Um last night okay so that was like after i did the thing with the guest and we always just sit down and chat and talk a little bit before they get out of there and then i yeah, gotta tear yeah. everything down all that shit um and then you know i take my dog for a walk which isn't what it used to be you know i'm sure you wake up and open the door and your dog runs outside and oh yeah does whatever they got to do exactly i gotta like sit there in front of my dog for like five minutes with a, <laughs> with a little treat in my hand like come on Oh. Try to get up and I'll help you if you oh. try, but you have to try. Oh my god! Sometimes she's like, "No, I'm just gonna go back to bed." Yeah, and then you know, walking up to the end of the block and back is like a 15 to 20 minute ordeal these days. Oh my gosh. Just the way that she moves. <laughs> all that to say, like, I I couldn't put all that into text. I'm mean, like, here's my here's my agenda on Thursday night, which is why I'm asking for this. You know, because because I I'm positive that you know we've met for coffee before. Yeah. Uh, 11. I just want to like have a good conversation, <laughs> you know, like when I show up to a balanced breakfast on yes. Friday mornings, I like, I've never been there at 930. I can't. Um, and even then if I, if I like wander in at 1015, I'm still like, I need like another half an hour before yeah. I want to talk to people. <laughs> I think you're in the majority of musicians mm-hmm. and I'm the minority. Uh, but okay. So it's that teacher life you started out on. I think so. And I have a, so to me, to me, like an early meeting would be like nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a friend and we got coffee recently and she's a, she's in the business world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, made, I made the mistake of telling her, oh, anytime's fine. You can choose it. I'm a morning person. And she's like, great. Let, I'll meet you at seven. And that's when I had that what feeling you know and i couldn't rescind my offer and mm-hmm. say oh i didn't mean that early so <laughs> yeah so i i get that like <laughs> you gotta meet people sometimes on their level yeah. kind of just depends you it's know? All good. Yeah. yeah if if we were just getting coffee i would have done i would have done the 10 a.m just fine <laughs> <But> the- <laughs> with a little less fear it's hard i'm afraid to be boring in front of a microphone there it is 
<laughs> Boring and unfocused. So, so maybe, maybe we should have waited till noon. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think you're nailing it. <laughs> to be honest, like noon is my standard time. But if somebody's oh, like, man. let's do it in the morning. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> hey, gosh. So, thank you for working around my schedule. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I was when you're talking about your online show. So I, I did want to mention though the time that I tuned in and watched you. This is right when we had met mm -hmm. and i was like who who is this guy that like, goes by the slow drag i kind of like it he seems nice he's cool let's i gotta check out what he's doing and i think i was you know i was maybe in there with you for like 10 minutes before i had to run out and even in that 10 minutes i was like he is good online at this he obviously your music's great like you know what you're doing as a musician and a songwriter and playing online, like, totally different skill set. Like, I don't have it. Like, the way you were able to interact with people, like, I was barely in there. And you were like, oh, hey, Danica, how's it going? And, like, you made me feel so good and and special. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it was it was kind of fun, like, watching as, like, a, a fan yet also being in the industry and just and being aware that you were trying to make this, like, a good experience for mm -hmm. anyone who tuned in. I was, like, super impressed. And I... I remember Jeb was in the other room and he was like, "What are you? What are you doing? Who are you watching?" And I was like, oh, "I just, I just met this guy and he's like does his online shows and he's super good at interacting on Facebook. Kind of amazing." So it is definitely a, a skill to be developed. But I did my first online show like five or six years ago, like back in the early oh, days. Oh wow! Oh wow! Like, when, have you ever heard of Stage It? Oh yeah. Yeah, when that one first launched. Yeah, was, I did a few of those, which is cool. why when. Um, years later, I read this article about a bunch of musicians who were broadcasting music online pretty much daily and making a career out of it. I was like, oh, I had never really considered this being a, a, a viable career path um, because I did, I did, you know, cut my teeth in a very traditional way with, you know, getting together in, mm -hmm. in a garage with people, rocking out and then yeah. taking the act on the road, mm -hmm. you know, the... The, that's, that's an interesting thing. And I'll, you know, I'll just mention this and we should, we should wrap it up in a little bit, I think. But an interesting thing about, you know, you and I having grown up when we grew up, mm -hmm. you know, it, over the cusp of the internet affecting yes. the music industry, you know, mm -hmm. and which I think has a lot to do with especially yeah. your hometown folks and their attitudes because they don't understand a lot of the nuances that uh, have have infiltrated the industry since the year 2000 or so, you know, and that... Uh, what was I going to fucking say with that? Was, I just lost my... I started staring at the cat again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bud. What is, what is the cat's name? Layla. Mm -hmm. Hi, Layla. Mm-hmm. But She's I like to call her... I call her Thunderpaws. I call her yeah. Cat. I call her Feticus Finch. Anytime I can think of a big... <laughs> a big bitch. fat cat name. <laughs> I like her. Oh, hi. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, now that we've been uh, accurately derailed, I yeah. do want to ask you... By the cat, a yeah, second time. <laughs> totally. Um, That's scratchy there. <laughs> if, if you were to uh, tell, tell yourself something... Uh, or, uh, ten years ago, Danica, mm -hmm. what, would you, what kind of advice would you have? Hmm. 
Oh my. That is the hardest question for me to answer. Hmm. Ten year ago advice. Um, I am not so much into looking in the past. Super weird thing to say. I know because I do believe in learning from where you've been. Mm -hmm. Um, Ten years ago, oh my gosh, my life was so different. It's almost like I don't even recognize that that ten-year-ago version of myself. I think I just would have told myself the simplest advice ever, which was, it's going to be okay. Hmm. You're going to be okay. You're going to turn out okay. Hmm. Um, my 20s, so I'm, I'm 36 right now. In my 20s, were just like the hardest, worst decade for me. Like Mm -hmm. all of my 20s, the worst. Um, So I I think that my life circumstances changed. You know, I got out of things that were bad for me and I got into what I really wanted to be doing Hmm. instead. Mm -hmm. So 10 years ago, none of the advice would have been musical it wouldn't have had anything to Mm. do with music at all it it really would have been just like give it time like you're gonna get a little bit older you're gonna get more comfortable in your own skin you're going to figure out who you are Mm. as a person Mm -hmm. I think that's it like I just didn't know who I was Mm. I didn't know who I was I didn't know what I wanted I was just kind of cruising along doing the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot like your 20s, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Like, I would hate to go back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you tell your 10-year-ago self? I would love to know that. 10 years ago. Let me see. Um, don't be such a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> I would say. And uh, don't be so hard on yourself. Ooh. Yeah. 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 I'd say those would be, those would be two, two good general life lessons. Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of music, I would say um, stay focused and consistent. You know, that was, a, that was a big hurdle for me to get over. You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, just like mm-hmm. trying this, that, and the other thing. Like I've yeah. done many things as a musician mm-hmm. and you know now being comfortable in my own skin as well doing something that I really love to do yeah. having started this particular project from a place of like I'm gonna make music for me that makes me really happy first and then have everything branch out from there like that's a huge huge difference which you know it's it, some people are lucky uh in their 20s and they have this this sense of self and this confidence mm-hmm. that uh, that helps them get started on something like being uh an authentic person quote unquote early on in life you know but (laughs) i don't know this is this this is another little rabbit hole but you know spending my 20s in los angeles especially like pursuing something in the entertainment industry 
mm-hmm. was wildly damaging to, to like oh. my self-esteem and my oh. outlook on life, you know, because, yeah. <clears throat> you know, for, for better or for worse, I was exposed to some, you know, it wasn't like I was living this, this glamorous, cool life where it's like I was just hanging out with celebrities left and right and shit like that. But it's like, you I know, some days I'd be LA. hanging out with my buddy who's, you know, quote unquote, nobody. And yeah. then I would be like partying at Adam Levine's house or something like that, you know? And so it's like to be exposed to all these worlds and think like, oh man, I am, I am nothing. Oh. <laughs> Which you can just see left and right in a place like, like yeah. LA, you know? I wonder how it would have been different if I had like stayed in my hometown of Fresno for longer, uh-huh. um, which is a small town. Like okay. I think when I left, it was like 250,000 people. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, become a bigger fish there and where everybody like knew my name and everybody came to my shows or something like sure. that. And then moved to a place like LA where nobody gives a shit or Nashville yeah. where nobody gives a shit. I wonder how that would have been a little different. But, you know, I just started started at the baseline of like, oh, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> how how old were you when you moved from Fresno to LA then? Uh eighteen. Okay. So you were just like straight out of high mm-hmm. school? Yeah. Oh man. I wanted oh, man. To, I wanted to uh drop out within the first semester of my oh. freshman year. Oh man, I wish I knew high school you. Like yeah. this sounds okay. Oh man. Tell you, me more stories. Oh my god. High I know school, you said wrap it up, but let's just start over. <laughs> Let, let's talk about you now. Yeah. I don't know. I just like uh, I can't even even now I I I fight it. I I recognize a little more now, but I just feel like I was more amplified version of the worst parts of myself when I was younger um and then and then started to shed away what didn't matter as I got older but it's uh, yeah I was really really arrogant um not very self-aware uh you know driven ambitious yeah confident yeah (laughs) confident actually more arrogant than confident you know it's hard it's hard to actually have actual confidence in your late teens and early 20s um (laughs) Isn't getting older, like, kind of nuts? It just seemed like aging and just getting older is so fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. I saw a writer's round in Nashville a couple weeks ago, and this kid was on stage, and he said, blah, 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 I'm 18. And I was like, holy shit, I am twice as old as this kid. Mm -hmm. Like, when did that happen? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Anyone under 25 is a kid to me now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hard a hard pill for them to swallow, you know. I definitely thought when I was 25 years old that I was an adult. Oh, for sure. But I wasn't. Also, I still barely am now. That's, <laughs> I also have those feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh, you could always, you know, I didn't really know what we were going to talk about today. And I know it was like a music Mm-hmm. podcast I didn't know like how industry businessy we were gonna go down but like it I've been a guest on some other podcasts you know where people are trying to give music industry advice and it always cracks me up a little bit that like people think I know what I'm doing because mm-hmm. like that's like laugh out loud funny to me mm-hmm. like I no, I'm just you said this before like I'm just making it up every day mm-hmm. trying to do what I'm doing and Figure out what's right for me. So yeah, no, like I, in my head, like I'm 18, but it's just like sure a way smarter version of my same self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't think of myself as a man in his 30s. When I say <laughs> that, that sounds so much 
older and more mature oh, right, than I yeah. feel. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of industry advice, you know, something that I have learned and that I adhere to, um, especially now, uh, 10 years, 10 years after my mid twenties is the broad <laughs> strokes are applicable, you know, stay focused, uh, you know, keep, keep going, don't give up, make small adjustments to what you're trying to do based on your failures and successes. But in terms of like, tell me what you did and how you did it, like that's only going to work for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like there might be similarities, like, you know, like I said, the broad strokes, Mm -hmm. booked shows, booked better shows, booked the right shows, Mm -hmm. continued to do that. Yeah. You know, but exactly how you did it, the shows that you landed, the opportunities that you, that came your way, the relationships that you've made along the way, those are all unique to you. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I hate going to these these panels now and listening to people talk about like X, Y, Z musician. And here's like the Instagram campaign that they run or the YouTube mm-hmm. video that they made that is completely like uh, unique to them that can't be replicated you know, I, I don't know. It just it, it frustrates me that people are shilling that kind of stuff out there. You know, it's like it's cool to hear people's stories. I do like to hear about successes and like yeah. interesting ideas. Like I'll celebrate that. But so so little little of what other people do with their music careers is relevant to any, anyone but them. Especially now more than ever. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Totally agree. Hmm. Now more than ever, guys. Do what you do, do it how you do it, and keep going. <laughs> do you have um, any final words? This was fun. Cool. Yeah, thanks oh, for having me. One. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad we made it happen. Mm-hmm. It was nice. I was. Um, this might be the most open and honest I've ever been in any podcast discussion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of like forgot that you were taping for a while. Cool. That's what I'm going <laughs> for. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> you know and yeah this was awesome no thanks for having me really fun thanks for being here and we'll have you back once i once i uh figure out how sound works Mm -hmm. we'll have you back with jeb oh (laughs) (laughs) you should just have jeb by himself like oh really oh okay that could be a fun sequel you you totally should do that yeah that should have met him by the way for real yeah oh wow Uh uh-huh he's not a morning person also oh cool. you guys can do this at midnight yeah yeah <laughs> how's that work well i did one on wednesday at 7 p.m perfect time that 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 would work for me <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, thanks no. again for being here i'll yeah. give you a proper intro and we'll link all of your uh so. your uh social information website cool. stuff like that in the show notes so people can find you um and listen to your stuff sounds good mm-hmm. thanks thanks again mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, thanks again for listening to The Slow Drag Has a Podcast, too. If you enjoyed it, you can head on over to theslowdrag.com where you can become a patron of this podcast, the music, all the art that The Slow Drag puts out into the world. It's a really great thing, and I think you should check it out. If you're not ready to make the Patreon commitment, that's okay. You can leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and make sure to subscribe over there, too. Follow the podcast on Spotify or SoundCloud or from wherever you're listening. A little bit goes a long way, guys. Thanks a lot, and I'll talk to you all next time.